Welcome to the Form Guide, inspiring conversations about mental health and well-being. This week we're chatting to Simon Anthony, co-founder of Cracking the Cryptic, a YouTube channel where we watch him solve really complicated puzzles. Enjoy. So, Simon Anthony, my good old friend, welcome to the Form Guide. How are you doing today? I'm not bad, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. So uh, our opening piece of music there, Simon, is um, from Chuck Brown and the Soul Searchers, a tune called Bustin' Loose, and that was given to me by uh, one of your subscribers, I believe, Bren Brennan, who's oh, wow. a, an aficionado of uh, 70s funk, which is the theme for our season two of the Form Guide. So there you go. <laughs> Right. Just don't ask me any questions about 70s funk, please. <laughs> no, no, I'll, uh, I'll try and avoid that. So welcome. Good to see you. We've known each other for more years than uh, I can probably uh, remember. It's probably about 25 years, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's 25 years, believe it or not, before we were at Pricewaterhouse together. Pricewaterhouse. And we, uh, you know, we share the start of our career. We're both chartered accountants um, specialising in tax. And we've That's both right. gone into very different directions, which we're going to talk about today. Um, so we're going to get into it in a second. But um, for, for our audience, I'd just be grateful if you could tell us exactly what you do for a living. Uh, well, I suppose now I'm a YouTuber. So um, with a friend of mine, we run a channel called Cracking the Cryptic, where every day we solve um, normally Sudoku puzzles um, in two videos and people who watch can try the puzzles themselves. And if they get stuck, they can watch us try and solve the puzzles. And I realize that if you've never thought about the concept of watching somebody <laughs> solve a Sudoku in a video, um, you must think this sounds absolutely tedious and <laughs> what on earth am I talking about? But it does actually seem to be a popular thing, believe it or not. So amazing um, yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely amazing and and we were talking before we kind of came on air about you know those days back studying for our accounting exams um thinking who would you know youtube didn't even exist then but thinking from our group who most would most likely be a youtuber and you wouldn't have expected to be one right I don't think you'd have expected me to be one either, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's that's very true. So look, um, before we get into finding out more about Cracking the Cryptic and your journey to it, um, I'm going to ask you a question. That's the question that I always start with. And um, that is, how are you today? And you can see from my background, I'm a seven out of 10 today. And so generally, I'm on really good form um, at the moment. Um, I'm feeling really energized with work, a lot of good strong sense of purpose um, I'm exercising again I've had long COVID and that's I'm back on my indoor bike which is great sleep last night was shocking I woke up at like 2 a.m and my brain sometimes will just not let me get back to sleep probably I should have put an episode of cracking the cryptic on uh, to to help settle that brain and we'll talk about that in a bit but so sleep is probably pulling me down from an eight but what's your score out of 10 mate how are you today on the form score I'd probably give myself either a five or a six out of ten yeah. Okay. Um, but I think that's because I'm always somebody who's seen whole rather than donut, if you know what I mean. I see <laughs> I'm naturally pessimistic <laughs> and a complete hypochondriac. So I think my normal days would be around five out of 10. And yeah. it really, I mean, it's very, very rare for me to think, my goodness, I'm having a good day today. Um, there's normally something that, that that annoys me or ruins <laughs> ruins it. <laughs> quite often, it, quite often it's my golf game or something like that. But you know, it's there's always there's always something I look at and go. Rrr. So so yeah, yeah. And you are you are less very... volatile, less volatile than you are, but without yeah. the peaks and the troughs. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, kind of five or six would be would be a, a, a normal for you. And yeah. What what so what I what I normally say now is what would a perfect ten day look like and and I'm thinking maybe that it's more like you know what would an eight or a nine be for you if those peaks are, are more unusual so what would the high end need to look like for you um, something I don't know something that went that went really well on the channel that would be great if my children do well I get a lot of pleasure out of that um, some so. If I play really well at golf, which doesn't happen very often to my satisfaction, that would again, that would sort of push me up at least one 
one on the notch. So if I had a perfect day, you know, my kids do really well at school um, and, you know, I shoot four under par <laughs> on yep. the golf course and I find out that Cracking the Cryptic has a viral video, that would be that would be an amazing day. Yeah, okay, so there are some elements there. I mean, I think tying your form into the golf game is, is it's dangerous ground, isn't it? Because golf being one of, <laughs> even for a, a fantastic golfer like yourself, golf is very unpredictable. And, you know, I love that, that, that statement around golf that it ruins a perfectly good walk more often than <laughs> not, right? <laughs> it is, uh, it's very interesting from a mental health point of view, golf, because it is... You know, my mood is very tied to it. And yeah. maybe that's just because I've played it for so long, but it, it really does. You know, if I if I play badly, it does put me in a bad mood. Yeah. And yeah. 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 I gotcha. So we're getting some uh, love on the chat. Uh, morning, Sarah. Morning, hurrah. Hi, Maria. Um, Maria says the thing that she loves most about your presentation style is the absolute glee and wonder at finding beautiful logic and solutions. It is a delight to see. So great, uh, great bit of feedback from Maria to kick it off. Hey, Todd, uh, sorry to uh, hear that you're, you're locked down in Sydney um, and morning to max uh, six today. Some summer sun would help us all for sure. Yeah, the weather, I guess, does the weather affect you as a, as a golfer, Simon? Uh, yeah, it does. Um, it's a, it certainly actually used to affect me more when I was working in the city because I was limited to my golf time to weekends. And if it then rained all weekend, that was, you know, that could put the black dog yeah. over my mood. But um, yeah, I, I'm in general, I do think I'm happier in the summer. Um, yeah. So I, I know that there is seasonal affective disorder and something like that. And I think there's something in that, certainly for me at least. Yeah, yeah. We see that in the data, actually. I was showing you the the dashboard for form score and, and yeah. people can tag what's driving their form. And we saw as the weather turned that weather was a, a particular positive influence on our form scores at a population level. So you're definitely not alone in that. Um, right, we're going to do the quick fire round, and that's okay. something that I've not asked you to prepare for. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and yeah, you know, just the first thing that comes into your head, or, or whatever, the <laughs> whatever you reckon. So, if mental health were an animal, Simon, what would it be? Oh, good grief! Um, it would be. <laughs> so, sorry, I'm going to stop you because <laughs> that's your catchphrase, isn't it? Good grief! You're, you're, that's what you do in the puzzles. Uh, it would be a, a dog, probably a border collie. A border collie why do you think that um because i think of them as dogs that can have just the most abounding joy and yet they can be affectionate you know at certain times and you know when they get tired and <laughs> you know they just utterly collapse yeah. so i think that they 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 have different states if you like that i could yeah. associate with them with mental health yeah i think you're right there and those states can be quite unpredictable you don't know what you're going to get no um, indeed yeah oh. absolutely good one if mental health were a color what comes to mind um i say i want to say blue but not particularly because you know blues associated with sadness but the two colors that came to mind were red because red is you know a color i'm very passionate about but i don't think red's I associate it with mental health. Blue is more a colour I associate with mood. So maybe that's just why I say blue. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, blue would be my answer to that. I think we we have blue as the sort of colours that represent eight, nine, and ten on the form score um, to represent the blue sky, you know. And, and there's a nice image I have that whenever I'm low with depression, I often think of the sun is always shining behind those dark clouds with a blue sky. So okay. for me, blue blue definitely uh, resonates there. Um, so if uh, mental health were a food, what sort of food comes to mind? Good. <laughs> I said good grief again. <laughs> um, uh, Dearing me, I've got, I want to say pancakes, but I don't know why. Brilliant. Yeah, pancakes. Yeah. Now, now, you know, I mean, is that like a sort of you know, guilty pleasure for you? Is it a comfort yeah. food? Yeah, it's a comfort food. So, um, it's, and it's also a, a a food I associated with two different emotions. There's the sort of pleasure of eating it, and then there's the guilt afterwards that I have eaten it. Yeah, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So it's... yeah, 
Yeah, and, and and I like the fact with pancakes, you can pimp them, right? You can put different toppings on. You can you can adjust them. You based can on... do that, but that would be sacrilege. Oh, okay. Really, really, what you have to only have on them is sugar and lemon juice. Okay. Otherwise, uh, okay. So yeah. you're you're a traditionalist where pancakes are, are <laughs> concerned. Okay. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> um, so, if meant after a song or a piece of music, uh, what would it be? Oh, it would be. It would be no. I almost. I'm going to change my mind. It would be "Ocean" by the John Butler Trio. Ah, yes. What a great uh, piece of music. Yeah, I haven't heard that for a while, and I'm going to pull that one out again. Yeah, it's yeah. a great song. Yeah, it's a great song. Um, okay, we're almost through it, uh, Simon. If mental health were a holiday destination, where would it be? It would be Cornwall, the yeah. north coast of Cornwall, which is, for me anyway, it's sort of a second home and. I love the sort of the beaches there and the cliffs and the ruggedness and the wild fury of the waves sometimes yeah. surfing and then other times it can be tranquil and calm. So yeah. that's, that's, I feel a better, that's a better answer. I, in yeah. a sense, I sort of, I know the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got that one straight away. Um, final question. If uh, mental health were sound, what would it be? A sound that's not musical could be musical it could be you know it could be any sort of any sort of sound that comes to mind hmm. i don't know i don't know what the answer to that is maybe it's i don't know thunder or something but thunder thunder, thunder is too you know too dramatic it would be probably even music for me it would be some yeah. sort of music but yeah. i don't know music i quite like thunder actually I, I i'm not going to make you have it but um, we can have music but thunder's interesting because it is a dramatic sound but there's also that sort of clearing of the air and sometimes for me you know we can get stuck and actually um, you know watching the the channel cracking the cryptic can help our, our minds become a little bit unstuck like a bit like a, a clap of thunder can do um, so I'm going to string all that together in an image for us. So you and I, we're catching up. We're down in Cornwall um, okay. and um, there's a very blue sky uh, around us. Um, you've made very traditional pancakes that we're having for breakfast, you know, just yeah, lemon, lemon juice and, and sugar, nothing else for sure. Um, we've got, um, you know, a couple of dogs just bounding around being dogs, you know, doing, doing what they do. The ocean we can see there. It's crashing, and, and it's the sound I'm getting is the ocean like like clapping against the rocks, a bit like that thunder uh, sound that we mentioned. And we've got the um, the John Butler trio playing in the background. That sounds so, pretty good, doesn't it? Good scene, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We, could, we could probably make that one happen. Actually, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that's actually a possible scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So some of the ones that I get are kind of really out there when I do these uh, these things, but yeah, that's a good one. So um, what are you reading right now? Uh, I'm reading a book called The Family Upstairs, which was recommended to me. Uh, I quite like it so far. Um, the last book I read before that, which I did like very much, was called The Lie Tree, which had a very strange uh, sort of premise where the tree only grew when you whispered lies to it. Interesting. Yeah, it was, it was a fascinating. It was a re really well, very well-written book um so yeah good i like that i'm going to um yeah i'm going to i'm going to check that one out i like that yeah. as a concept so look we we started off um training to be chartered accountants you know 25 years ago working for price waterhouse um and, and i remember vividly um we had a great group and we're still in touch with 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 you know a bunch of them there's some very clever people there and and you know i think i'm you know Slightly cleverer than the average bear, but I'm not, you know, I've You're met a, a very lot of, smart cookie, as you know. <laughs> I'm slightly cleverer than the average bear. And, and I remember with, you know, two, two other chaps, Dave Walker and John Temple, we were kind of kind of a bit mischievous in these classes with accountancy um, questions. But the three of us would sort of finish the questions about the same time. And, and the majority of the class was were probably still doing them, right, to be fair. And these people have gone on to be, you know, really successful great careers so i'm not i'm not putting anybody down here but we'd look over at you and you would have not only finished the question you would have completed the times and the telegraph crossword and be looking for something else to do in this 40 minute question whatever you're a smart guy aren't you um 
Yeah, I suppose so. Although I never feel it, you see. This okay. Is, um, I've I've exposed myself, I suppose, through the the passion I have for intellectual sports to some crazily clever people that have. Yeah. I mean, so I'm now acutely aware of how stupid I am. Um, so you know, if you go to the World Puzzle Championship or the World Sudoku Championship, it's just laid stark before you how utterly, utterly brilliant the top people in the world are. And yeah. no amount of practice, no, no amount of, I'd have to have a lobotomy or some sort of, you know, brain change to catch up. And that's, so I never feel smart, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I accept that I probably am smarter than average, but I, I don't really feel it a lot of the time. And I also, you know, my, my business partner, Mark, on the channel, you know, he is an incredibly clever guy. So, you know, I, I can't get too big for my boots because he's always there to put me in my place. Yeah, um, well, you know, I'm, lo I'm loving your humility. And I find this really interesting because I've seen firsthand, you know, your, your, your academic ability and it's, it's a sight to behold. Um, but it's really interesting that there is always somebody when you, when you delve into a specialism um, that is going to have the kind of edge. And there are some truly brilliant minds out there, aren't there? Uh, it's just, yeah, it is stunning to see. Yeah, I, I I don't really experience imposter syndrome, but I definitely did a couple of weeks ago where I was on a stage of behavioral science. And I'm going to segue back to this in a while. But there were, you know, there was one Nobel Prize winner on the billing. Oh. There was John Cleese, there was, oh, wow. you know, Rory Sutherland, you know, there were there were all of these people that are just some of the world's greatest thinkers and me talking about my score out of 10. And, and uh -huh. I know it was the only time I've really felt imposter syndrome because I was surrounded on this billing by very, very smart people. Um, wow. And it's quite humbling, isn't it, when you're, yeah, yeah, when you're exposed to that. So to talk us through your journey from those days where we were studying for chartered accountancy exams through to running a very successful YouTube channel about solving Sudoku puzzles predominantly. Um, well, I, I started off the way most people, I suppose, do in accountancy. You know, I tried that for quite a while. Uh, I actually did enjoy it, looking back on it. I, I enjoyed the pe this people side of it quite mm. a lot. Um, and then I was tempted to go and become a banker. And that that was good in only one way, and that was financial. Yeah. But it was appalling, I think. I think for my mental health, it was appalling. Um, in the early days, I did enjoy it because it was such a change from accountancy. Yeah but it quickly became very stale and you know i definitely worked my youth away doing a job i detested um and you get trapped into it very very quickly you know because you know you, you buy a house that you you can't then go and do something that's really really um sort of more normally paid i suppose um and you start to go on holidays that you the holidays are, are great but then you have to pay for them so you have to you know it, it becomes a, a vicious circle um and you know i used to, you know get up and go on the trains in the morning and i just absolutely i would i knew i knew i shouldn't be doing it but yeah. i couldn't think of a way out and i did try very hard to think of a way out i was always yeah. coming up with sort of get rich quick schemes or ideas for businesses um and eventually after many many years about four or five years ago i had the idea of setting up a youtube channel to solve cryptic crosswords actually i thought yeah. loads of people would love to know how to, how to be able to do yeah. times crossword so i called mark and i said i've, I've just had the best idea mark this is how we're going to do it we're going to just we're just going to solve the times crossword on youtube and we're going to make an absolute mint. And he said, don't be so stupid. Um, and it took me, it did take me quite a while to even get him to agree that he would make one video a month or something, which is all yeah. he would commit to at that point. Um, and yeah, so we started doing it. It took a long time because we're neither of us are technical people. We had no clue about webcams or microphones or anything. Um, and it was completely unsuccessful <laughs> um it turned out that there wasn't an enormous audience of people out there who wanted to learn how to solve cryptic crosswords 
So we did the occasional Sudoku, which was also a passion of ours, but we just didn't think people would want to watch somebody solve a Sudoku really. Um, and it turned out that they did. And I mean, when I say they did, I mean, a hundred people might watch, you know, and then it became 200 people. And then we started one, well, Mark did a video, which was called something like um, a Sudoku with only three given digits or something. And for some reason, the YouTube algorithm blessed it. And we got to see virality happen. So this yeah. thing that we had been nurturing, but without success for perhaps a year at this point, suddenly started to take off. And from going to a point where we might get one or two new subscribers a day, we were getting a thousand emails a day from YouTube saying, you know, X has subscribed, Y has subscribed. And it, it it was so addictive. It was, it's just incredible when that happens. It really is because you, you see your tiny, your tiny lie tree or whatever it is suddenly yeah. go boom, and it becomes a great Oak out of nothing, yeah. literally and, and, overnight. And, and, and how did that happen? I mean, there's a lot of people who want to be YouTubers, right? And I think every, every um, child from, you know, beneath the age of, of 12 is, is probably thinking they want to be a YouTuber. I know mine do. And it's, mm. you know, they don't want to be surgeons. They want to be YouTubers, right? Um, which is a, a, a side issue. But, you know, how did that happen? Did, was that just, you know, did you know anything about how to sort of tweak what you were doing to get the algorithm to notice? Or was it kind of... No, you know, we, 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 we did everything wrong according to the algorithm or the, the, the rules that we thought existed at the time. So we were, we were told to pay a lot of attention to how much of a video your audience watches on average. So if you make a 15-minute video, ideally somebody should get to the end of that video and that's so there was a real push for sort of five minute videos on YouTube yeah. because people would often watch all five minutes and therefore their average view duration would be very high as a percentage. And then the algorithm would bless them. Whereas we were making sort of 15, 20, 25 minute videos and we might keep the audience's attention for 15 minutes of a 25 minute video, which on paper didn't didn't look great. It wasn't what we were supposed to do. Yeah. But I think the algorithm then realized, good goodness, they, these people are actually, they're holding someone's attention for 15 minutes still on average. And that's three times longer than the five minute video mm. got, even if it's not the whole video. So I, I don't know. We, we, we definitely, we definitely don't, don't understand the YouTube algorithm at all. But, but that video, I think it, it got maybe 300,000 views. I might be wrong, but at that time we were maybe getting two or 3,000 for a video. And then that right. video got 300,000, which was a complete step change. And from there, well, we, we've had two other videos that are very notable. We had the um, Sudoku with only four given digits. You may notice something, <laughs> a common common theme we're using with the titles there. And that has had 7 million views. Wow. And the Miracle Sudoku, which has had maybe 3 million views, was never really supported by the algorithm, but Twitter and social media descended on that one. And it it, it got into some very strange places and resulted in some amazing media coverage um and you know it was mentioned on have i got news for you in the uk which i'm sure you know is a show and yeah um i was on tv in america and um audrey neffenegger who wrote the time traveler's wife wanted me to play the part of uh, uh, one of her characters in her next film and stuff like that. It was it was completely completely crazy. Um, Amazing. And what happened with that? Is that going to happen or? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, there was there was um, the director uh, of Sliding Doors um, who used to, do you remember Bread on TV? Joey yeah. from Bread. Yeah, yeah. Joey yeah, yeah. from Bread. Um, Peter Howitt, I think his name is. Um, he, he was writing a lockdown movie that he wanted to include cracking the cryptic scenes in. But I don't think that ever happened. I'm not sure. <laughs> so um, it, it, you've gone from strength to strength. How many subscribers to the channel do you have now? 
um, about 370,000. Amazing. So clearly people do like to watch you and your partner, Mark, solve quite difficult, complex Sudokus. Um, but this is sort of a bit of a cult following, isn't it? Yes, this, what this... I found. Oh, oh. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's my Siri. Sorry about that. <laughs> so that's... Um, there's, there's people that kind of like to play along and solve the puzzles and are pretty good at solving puzzles. There's other people that are trying to improve their skills, but there's other people, there's a subset of people who, who don't do puzzles at all. I, I'd be one of them and I, I enjoy watching the channel. Um, what, why do you think that, that you know, what you're putting out there appeals to, to those of us that don't play puzzles? I, I'm not sure, but if I had to guess, I would say that there is um, an element of a journey about it um and a lot of these puzzles it's very obvious to anybody even if you've not got a history with puzzles you can look at the puzzle at the start and just say that's impossible nobody could do that um and so you see somebody faced with what looks like an impossible task and then and then they actually think their way through how to solve it in front of you with all of the long pauses all of the hesitation all of the wrong paths and in the end hopefully uh and it can take a long time as you might know you know some of the videos are very long i mean on yeah. average they're probably only half an hour but i mean some of them have been an hour and a half um at the end of it the puzzle is finished and along that journey there will have been a few moments of epiphany where you've actually got to witness somebody experience a sort of small eureka moments yeah. and i think what we've what what we've been told from some of the emails that we've had is that people really they seem to relate it to real life problems you know because if that impossible problem could be solved maybe you know maybe i can take that into real life and you know, my problems are are surmountable, I suppose. Um, but yeah. I, I'm not sure. I think there's an element of that. I think there's an element of sport in it as well. I think it's it's a very very strange spectator sport where you're watching a person fight against the the genius constructor. Yeah. And, you know, there's a there's something like that going on as well. I think, yeah, there's, there's lots in there. Um, and I'll come back to the mental health bit and the journey bit, um, because for me, that's a strong message of hope, actually, um, which is really important when we're struggling with our mental health. Um, but I want to talk about that kind of battle a little bit against the constructor, because I think it, it's what you're giving people the opportunity to see, and it's a quite a privileged view, it is you in battle, right? You're in flow state, you're totally focused. We see your reactions, we, we see the, the good griefs, we see the revelation when you spot something, that eureka moment. Um, we, we see the, the failures along the way to success. And it it's really is a the spectator element. It's a glimpse into, you know, kind of, you in the moment in in battle with with somebody that's very clever that's laid this puzzle down right yeah i think that's 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 a great way of putting it um and if we think about how often you get the experience or it, it's possible to see somebody in that moment of discovery in real life it's not that often you might see it with your children you know that if they suddenly realize something and you, you can watch their face as they light up um but day to day i don't think you get to see joy very often mm -hmm. and i do experience joy when i solve sudoku and i can figure something out um i you know i really do yeah i get a real adrenaline buzz from that so yeah, yeah maybe maybe that's got something to do with it yeah, joy. You're absolutely right, and you're you're allowing people to to witness your joy, which is mm. really interesting. Um, and 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 it's clear that you do experience joy. You go on this and, and journeys. It's a bit of an overused term. I use it too much, but it is a journey of of you know, wrong paths, wrong turns, trying something else, and um, you know ultimately experiencing joy. And and you put it all out there. It's just wonderful to see. Well thank you i don't you know it was 
it was never that was never the, the idea behind it it's a byproduct it, you know it's turned out perhaps to be the important thing but we never realized that yeah. you know, i thought people would just like to understand logic or words meaning and things like that mm. yeah so comment from uh, richard on the chat um simon you need to be much less apologetic and hard on yourself in the videos about taking too long or missing clues we're in no hurry for the puzzles to be solved too quickly and it gives us mere mortals time to catch up and i think there is there is something about that people want want to be there with you and you know when when i started when you made me aware of what you do and i started getting into it with my mate math potts who we we covered you in the uh, our ridiculous yeah. show the oddly satisfying show that yeah. um was 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 good fun while it lasted and then i realized i hadn't got time to keep it going um but but yeah, we're kind of with you, rooting for you, and that spectator element. It's you know, it's a bit like you know, we are there. We're your supporters. You can't see us, but you know, when you experience the joy of cracking some part of it that is um, going to get you to the next stage, we're like, yes, you know, you kind of almost <laughs> want to cheer and get out of your chair. You know, it's it's and and you, I, I I would not have expected this watching a bloke, admittedly a, a bloke who I would count a friend and I know very well solving puddles puzzles <laughs> on a youtube channel i would not have expected this but it's there there you you really take people along that 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 journey with you it's amazing yeah i mean it, it it's very hard to explain to people that this is a thing you know you when when i meet somebody new and they ask what i do for a living and i say well <laughs> i mean you the first thing i say is i'm a youtuber and their eyes light up you know they're very interested yeah and then they say oh what's your channel and I try and explain that, you know, I solve a Sudoku. And they're just like, what? What? It just doesn't compute, does it? No, so, it doesn't compute. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have a bit of that. I'm a mental health campaigner, and it's, it, it's getting better, but it used to be a bit, I really don't want to talk to you. Go, let's back <laughs> off. Um, so, I mean, we've both got a similar journey of sort of stigmatised careers a little bit, haven't we? We've got sort mm. of tax accountant. You went then to investment banker. I went into recruitment consultant. Um, and, you know, we're doing these things. Um, but you've certainly found a purpose, haven't you, compared to, oh. um, you know, the, the the picture you painted of getting on that train and hating what you were doing. And many people do that, right, and feel they can't get out. I've been there as well. And then, you know, you have found a passion and a purpose. And, and you know, it's great that you're commercialising it and it can pay your living, whatever. But it's clear from what you do, you feel very passionate and you love what you do. How important is that to you? Uh, it's, well, I... I cannot tell you the difference this has made to my life. I mean, it's very, very hard to explain. To go from doing something I detested to something I actually love doing. I mean, I'm working harder now than I ever did before. Right. But I don't feel like I am because I enjoy it. And I do, I do, I mean, pur purpose, I'm not sure. It's not like I see a goal out there for cracking the cryptic, but I, I definitely feel like, I have built something I'm very proud of and I want to nurture it and hopefully see it, see it grow. Um, and that does bring an immense sense of satisfaction, I suppose, which I never had before. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I've always wanted to have my own business. I just never knew what that was. Um, and the, that my private passion, which has always been puzzles, could become the business because there was there was never the possibility. You know, if before cracking the cryptic, you know, you could write crosswords, but I think there's one person in the whole world I know of who actually makes a, a bare living out of writing yeah. crosswords. And actually, if you had to just write crosswords all day long, every day, I think that would be quite soul destroying as well. But to actually you know, I've always wanted, I always actually wanted to be a teacher when I was younger. And there are obviously elements of teaching in, in what I do on Cracking the Cryptic. So it's, 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 it's really, I'm very, very lucky. Um, but I sort of feel like I did my apprenticeship, you know, I did the hard work in the city, slogging my guts out, <laughs> you know, I, I wasted all that time. And I'm very relieved I now have some something I enjoy doing.
yeah. day to day. Well, I'm, I'm so pleased you found it. And I think, you know, the the positive effect you're having on your viewers um, is, is, is a real force for good in the world. Um, and, you know, you, you definitely are a person that strikes me as quite hard on yourself. Um, you're sort of, you're alluding to that right now. And I think, you know, I, I look back on time that I've spent doing things that I haven't enjoyed. And I wouldn't say it's wasted. Um, I, I, I think, you know, we might make different choices under different circumstances. But I think what I'm finding is I feel like my life is really just starting in the last few years. Mm. Um which is good because I'm probably going to be working for the next 20 and retiring <laughs> at 70, but it, it doesn't feel like work. And it's, I've found my mission, right? And you found your purpose, your mission. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. And it's, we're so lucky when we find that we're so fortunate and you did call that out. Um, Sarah Restall, uh, who I work with um, is, is on the, this, this live. And she commented on a post from a guy called Craig Fenton, who's uh, uh, an, another wonderful man, su uh, senior strategy director at Google in, in EMEA. Um, and he put a post out talking about, have you found your why? Um, and, you know, I think that those of us that have found our why and can make a living out of it and are doing some good in the world is that concept, Japanese concept of ikigai. Um, if you can find all of those three things, then you reach the kind of utopia and you'll be very happy. Um, so yeah, Brent, Brent agrees. Cracking the cryptic force for good in the world equals true story. So I want to talk about two things before we finish. Um, firstly, now I want to talk about three things, actually. Firstly, the, the creators, the setters of these puzzles, and they, they've, they're almost sort of cult names in themselves. I know you get really excited about Fistamafel, is that right? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, go on. Well, he, he, what an incredible brain that man is. So he emerged on the, the Sudoku scene from, from nowhere, maybe a year and a half ago just creating masterpiece after masterpiece and it's hard to explain if you've never done sudoku but what fistimafel does is he builds these puzzles where you go you go on a very specific journey through his puzzles that he has designed so you have to find the way to break into the puzzle and then after that you'll have to find the, the perfect next step and then the perfect next step and i cannot tell you how difficult it is to build a path through a Sudoku, let alone the ones that Fistimafel builds. Because of course, every time you add a digit or a constraint to a Sudoku, you're possibly changing all of the earlier logic. Mm. Um, you're making it, you're breaking what you've already put into the puzzle. So to actually build perfect paths is, is very, very hard. And Fistimafel seems to be able to do that at will. Um, and so, you know, his, his puzzles are just a present. You know, when I see he's released a new puzzle on Logic Masters Germany, it's like, wait, this is fantastic. You know, get to try a new Fistimafel puzzle. And these, these constructors, they deserve so much attention and praise. I mean, that's almost what I think we are, Cracking the Cryptic. Cracking the Cryptic is a prism to show the world the real genius. Yeah. Um, you know, Mitchell Lee, who created the miracle Sudoku. I mean, I, I don't know whether he actually was even, anybody actually spoke to him about what he'd done. They, they liked me solving it, but really they should have talked to him and said, how did you make that? How did you make that thing? Because it yeah. is pretty amazing. Just, you know, a Sudoku grid with only two digits in it, and yet you can solve it in 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and have you got to know some of these uh, these creators? And um... Um, I, because of COVID, I've not met. Um, I mean, I, I knew some of them from from beforehand, from going to world championships and things like that, where I, I I met some of the constructors. But now I have all of these parasocial relationships. I have all the, all these virtual relationships yeah. with lots and lots of people um, who who I count as friends, and yet I've never met. Um, so. Yes, it's very interesting like that as well. Yeah, brilliant. Um, well, kudos to all the constructors out there, and it's great that you're shining a light on them. So I, I want to talk a bit about logic, and I want to talk a bit about logic solving versus using imagination to solve. And, and I think you know, Sudoku's clearly are logical puzzles, right? And there's logic, there's rules, and there's constraints. 
and sometimes within those rules and again i'm not a, a i don't solve puzzles i just watch you solve puzzles periodically sometimes you have to look for what's not there rather than what is there and you have to look very creatively at the logical problem mm-hmm. um now getting back to sort of behavioral science so rory sutherland is a bit of a hero of mine he's the vice chair of ogilvy and is just a really interesting thinker and he talks a lot about in his book alchemy about the fact that most problems are solved by logic in business and you have lawyers and accountants and and commercial types who've reached boards and use logic to solve problems and you know you never really get fired for for trying to solve a problem logically and it doesn't work whereas if you use imagination and creativity often you'll be you'll be the scapegoat for something that hasn't worked clearly you're coming at these problems from a logical point of view where does the creativity or imagination bit segue into that for you um i think it is there i think logic is logic is obviously essential but uh when you're presented and i think the imagination comes at the start of a solve um because more and more actually on the channel we're getting faced with puzzles that just look absolutely impossible you, you you stare at them you know the techniques you've got in your armory and you apply those and it gets you absolutely nowhere. So you have to come up with something a bit different. And it's at that point you sort of rely on your imagination to come yeah. up with something. And sometimes it, it doesn't. <laughs> and sometimes sometimes it does. And it's there is a creativity to solving. I think there's more creativity, obviously, in the setting process. But... Yeah. Um, there's certainly a slightly different intelligence I think about some aspects of solving a Sudoku but we're getting into the realms of you know some very technical stuff like set theory which is a way of um, comparing different parts of a Sudoku grid with other parts of the Sudoku grid and knowing that they have the same collection of digits in those in those those parts of the grid is is something some people almost never understand um, because their brains don't have that sort of visualization. Whereas that's one of the few things where I think I do have a little bit of um, uh, I suppose natural ability. I can see some of those things in a way that's helpful. Yeah, um, I think that's, that's really that's really interesting, and, and there does seem to be a big part of the creative process in in the way you think, and and you're obviously sharing how you're thinking when faced with particularly the start and you know I, I love it when you get like a, a puzzle that is just just does really seem impossible even to you and you're like I'm going to give this five minutes and then I'm going to give up you know and, 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 oh, oh hang on a minute and then you you've used that creative process to spot something and I think it's really interesting how you do apply that imagination to to supplement the obviously the the, the logic rules that you you're aware of and um, how often do you not solve a puzzle more often than it used to be. So when we started the channel, very rarely. Um, yeah. But the, the sort of movement of Sudoku over the last two years has been towards ever more difficult puzzles. And probably now one in five, I'll start the video camera and try and solve it and then have to turn it off because I get stuck or I take too long. Or I go on ridiculous segues that... Um, you know, just go nowhere for sort of 45 minutes. And I, yeah, so those puzzles never see the light of day. And that's, you know, that's something that we get asked about a lot is, oh, can you not show us the failures? Yeah. And we've been nervous about doing that, partly because of the mental health aspects of it, because we sort of, we Mm. have the impression people want to see us win. Whereas if we got to the end and it was just a amazing disappointment, yeah, would that? I'm sure it would be interesting once or twice to see that. But I really wonder whether people would want to see that regularly. I think that's you raise some two interesting points there. One is around perfectionism. So you know we need to be instilling in uh, our cultures that it is okay to fail, and actually from failure we learn. and, and so I think for me, the, there is an aspect of at least knowing, and you're, you're very open about this, that you don't 
sold everything mm-hmm. um, and you do fail um, and you do learn from those failures. I think that's important. Um, but but you're right, the the journey that, that people go on and this hope that we're about to just explore a little bit more, I think is quite important in in, in, in both the the help that it gives people and 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 the message maybe you could do like a um i I won't call it a bloopers reel but you know what i mean it could be a a, you know occasional um this this is how this is the puzzle we fail and it wouldn't be the full 45 minute going down a rabbit hole but it might be probably test your editing skills a little bit but uh you know editing in (laughs) a few failures i'm I'm pulling out large clumps of hair every uh... (laughs) year yeah in fact gorov um hope i've pronounced that right um has just said i'd love to see a compilation video of failures life is not always a win and failure is an opportunity to grow um so yeah in, interesting and um, f- final bit to, to really talk about i think is picking up on that sort of feedback you've had around how it helps people with um the, their journeys on mental health anxiety in particular i think you've mentioned um you know kind of insomnia and sleeping issues and and for me there is this element of hope um, that I touched on. So at the darkest parts of my depression, in fact, the time where I, I tried to end my life with the lowest point I've ever been was when I'd lost hope. And, you know, the message that we, we want to give people actually is however dark it gets, there is always hope. And, and for me, watching your really difficult ones where you go on this journey and it looks like you have no idea how to even get started. And it does translate into, I think, how we're feeling, particularly through the pandemic, where people were feeling overwhelmed, you know, locked down, bereft of social connections, feeling a, a high degree of stress and anxiety and nervousness about what is going on. Watching you take take that impossible starting point, and then going through this this process of going down a few a few wrong turns but then finding some success the joy when you did so to the ultimate success for me hope was the big strong message that was underpinning all of that um which is a wonderful thing to see and i know i'm probably embarrassing you a little bit right now but it, yeah do you get that sense that that from the feedback that you get that that it's giving people a bit of a sense of hope where their their life problems are concerned yeah i mean we've had some harrowing emails over the time um uh i mean every every week we get an email from somebody who will say we've we've helped them somehow with um a mental health issue whether it's anxiety um i mean the the videos were never designed to be soporific but they they do apparently help people to go to sleep and um so we get a lot of feedback that (laughs) that they rely on the videos coming out in order to get their good night's sleep that night which is um uh, is is a strange compliment but i mean obviously it's great if it if it has has any positive effect um we've had we've had emails from people who have been on the verge of suicide and they claim that the videos have helped them and they have turned their lives around as a result and that's you know, I cannot tell you. It's very, very um, humbling. Humbling is is how I find it, at least. Um, and I, I totally get. You know, I think the world has been in a very, very difficult place. Um, you know, even even doing what I do, which I love, I've still found the last year incredibly stressful. You know, and you know, dealing with it. Um, especially with a hyper hypochondria yeah. <laughs> is, is, you know, it, it's, it's challenging. Yeah, um, sure. And um, yeah. So, so obviously we're delighted that it does seem to help people's mental health. Um, and that's one of the reasons that we have kept doing two videos a day, actually, is that there does seem to be an element of people relying on you know fresh content and so even though lockdown is over in a lot of the world although not in australia at the moment and um you know we're going to keep trying to to produce new content for as long as as long as we can 
Yeah, well, good for you and, and good that, you know, this is obviously not an evidence-based solution and those that are struggling with their mental health should seek professional help. It's important to mention that. Um, the fact that, you know, uh, anecdotally and uh, you're getting feedback that it is helping people, is, is it's amazing um, that you're doing that. So thank you for keeping that, that, that cadence going, which I'm sure is a lot of work for, for, for you and Mark. Um, Wow, what a, what a fabulous catch-up, my friend, and it's been really wonderful to witness your journey. Um, I've got one final question. We're curating a, a series of well-being golden nuggets, the one top tip to stay well during these times. Um, yours could be as simple as um, you know, tune into Cracking the Cryptic, which you would be perfectly entitled to say, but what is your you know, one piece of wisdom you'd prefer to share about managing well-being? Um... I wouldn't say, I mean, I could say watch Crack and the Cryptic, but I do think maybe don't watch it, but do have a go at one of the puzzles on Cracking the Cryptic. So I think people have um, had Sudoku ruined for them a little bit because everything that appears in our newspapers is computer generated and um, devoid of romance, devoid of a structured solution path. And I think that if you try one of the easier puzzles on Cracking the Cryptic, you'll have a completely different experience of a puzzle. And the reason I mention that in the context of mental health is that I find at least that when I do a puzzle, it's a bit like when I go skiing, my, my, my attention is fully focused on that thing. Yeah. Um, and I can zone out some of the other things that are buzzing around my head. And for those few minutes, I have a stillness and it's a, an intense stillness because I'm battling with the puzzle, but it's, it's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're talking about mindfulness there. You're talking about an activity that is completely mindful. You are completely in the moment, stillness, flow state. You know, for me, uh, I get that from DJing, actually. I get that from spinning a few tunes on the record decks um, because that is totally mindful. I'm not thinking about the children. I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about what I've got to do. I'm thinking about what am I going to play next? Do these beats match? You know, does it sound good? Enjoying the music. Um, so a great tip. So for all our listeners and watchers out there, please do uh, try one of the puzzles on Cracking the Cryptic. We'll put all the links to the channel in the show notes. Um, Thank you so much, Simon. It's been uh, wonderful to uh, chat to you. Our next guest on the form guide is Teresa Clark, who's a founder of the Wellness Revolution, and she's got one of the most powerful and emotive stories I've heard as part of the Inside Out leaderboard. So the form guide, it's all about inspiring conversations about mental health and well-being. Simon, you've been an inspiring guest. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. You too, my man.